This is the uh, third week of the Campfire series. Hope you get the message of this. If you're not, if you're not aware of it, those are folks in our church family gathering around a real campfire. It's not a stock video. It's us. It's it's you and me together, kind of marking what that means for us. That central focus of Christ, how we gather around that, how it changes us and our relationships. Really, what the campfire is about uh, today, and really every every day day in the life of the church family and, and those who follow Christ, especially in, in this four week series. I'm going to read for you Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 through, uh, toward the end of verse 35. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. In a few hours, he's going to be taken to the cross and crucified. But after I have been raised, that will come three days later, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And what's that about never saying never? Jesus said to him, truly I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Hear those words. The title of the message today is No. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, I'm going to quote from him several times today. Dr. Henry Cloud tells, says this about our nature. The human heart wants to be known and understood above all else. And I want to ask you if that's true or not. Uh, I am quoting several times from him today, as I've already said. Most I've already had some time ago in this message. But this one quote I heard yesterday, Friday at LeaderCast. Uh, he was speaking to us there in that great event we had. We hosted, uh, or we hope hosted with uh, the MISD school district. But I want you to think, is that true or not? Here's what I think about those words. I think, yes, we want to be understood, maybe on the known part. I think, of course, we want people to understand us deeply and well and completely. But to know us completely, maybe not. We might see that a little bit here in this story with Peter. Peter who thought he knew something about himself that he did not know. And what does that mean? It means this first point I want you to hear today. And be aware you have a message page. You can always follow along, take notes if you'd like. And remember some of these things might be helpful to you as they are to me. In a world where people try to hide who they are, everyone already knows who we are because they know who they are. Uh, Don't let that be too obtuse for you. It's very simple. You know, I know who you are because I know who I am. You know who I am because you know who you are. We're not that different. You know, I don't have to get up here and say, here's the word fear. Here's what it says in the dictionary and define that for you. Why do I not have to do that? Because you are intimately acquainted with the word fear. We all experience fear in our life. I don't have to do that with worry or anxiety either or depression or really any human feeling. We all have them. We know what they are. We know what they mean. We share them. They're part of the core of being humans. But somehow we think people don't know that. Maybe they're not aware that I'm human. Maybe they think I'm different than the rest. The reality is we know who others are because we know who we are, and they know our secrets. (laughs) They know who we are just as surely. 
Many years ago, I did, a, I did a Palm Sunday sermon, not in this church, in another church, actually two churches removed from Mansfield, and I've been here 19 years, so it goes back a long time. Uh, and there at that church on that Palm Sunday, I decided to share the, the Palm Sunday message dressed up as the Apostle Peter. I grew a beard, big black beard back in those days, it'd be gray now. Uh, and, my, and my wife Rhonda made an outfit for me, and I, I wore the sandals, came out just in time for the message, and introduced myself as the Apostle Peter. It was supposed to be a surprise. Well, at the end of the, of the last service, I went to my office, and there was a couple there waiting to meet me. Now, I had, uh, not, did not know them. Uh, they had visited our church the very first time, that Palm Sunday. And there they were, and I'm dressed up as Peter. You know, my legs crossed there, there's a little bit of leg there as we're having our conversation. Uh, and they started telling me about their issues. Now, when they got to the murder plot, I realized this was above my pay grade. In that Peter, Mike, Pastor Mike, Brother Mike, they called me there, uh, and, and this couple, police officer and his wife, having this conversation. You know, we had a long conversation there, there that day. And, and, you know, as time went on, we really became good friends. Their marriage survived this long, arduous uh, events that they had been experiencing. Uh, some years later, in fact, uh, I, I went with her to the hospital to pick him up where he had an accident and brought him home because it was icy outside and she was afraid to drive. So I, I'll go with you. We'll get your husband from the hospital, bring him home. So that story went. Now, I, I want you to think about this as well. Henry Cloud says this, when you experience interaction with others, both painful and rewarding, remember that the outcome first must be a stronger relationship. And then he adds, I care about you, want this to bring us closer. You know, sometimes we see life as problem solving or dealing with issues or getting by with stuff instead of realizing, no, the campfire is about, and the end result, the end outcome is, I want to be closer to you and you to me. That's my ultimate desire of known and being understood. That's my motivation. That's where I'm moving. That's what I'm about. Jesus did that, didn't he? Oh, sure, he tells Peter the truth. You're going to deny me this very night. You're not going to get 24 hours past what you just said before you deny me three times. Hear me now, Peter. Peter again says, I don't believe you, Jesus. You don't know what you're talking about. Not me. Maybe everybody else, but not me. But the end result is going, as shared with us in the Gospel of John, at the end of John. Because after he does this, Christ is crucified. The resurrection takes place. Toward the end of this time, Jesus comes to Peter. He comes to Peter. Peter does not come to, G- to Jesus. And Peter's fishing. And he asks him only three questions. The same one three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? No mention of the blustery words that Peter promised no mention of his cowardice in a time of fear. No mention of his being really human because that's what he just acted like a human being. It's all he was doing. Jesus knows that he's human. And so that's what he does. This do you love me? See the end result, what Christ is looking for with him and with you and me and also in our own campfire relationships. That's what it means. And so I can say with certainty, I know a great deal about human beings as you do. I know a great deal about our, yours, and my frailties, our weaknesses, our sins, and our flaws. Because I am one. 
I can't hide much from you because you know it already. If you know yourself, you know me. As I know myself, I know you. Known, the title of the message. And so here we find ourselves sometimes thinking that maybe we're not flawed or, or not a sinner or not frail or not limited or, or we don't worry or we're, we're, we're not going to be afraid. Then we miss who we really are because this is the place we actually meet God's grace and why Christ came to the world and why he touched Peter and said, I want you to be my apostle and upon you I'm going to build my church. This very flawed human being who experienced God's amazing grace multiple times. I wonder why in our culture we're sometimes so amazed when our own humanness bursts forth. Or the humanness of somebody else breaks loose. It's like the proverbial elephant in the room. Let's not notice that we're all human together. Here we're above human frailties, flaws, weaknesses, sins, temptations. That's ridiculous, but we do it anyway. The campfire, that's the elephant now let loose. We simply have that conversation and know who we are and who God is in Christ. When my oldest granddaughter, who's now 17, was three years old, uh, I was driving with her in the back seat. We were just the two of us in the car. I was taking her somewhere. I don't remember where, but she was with me in her little car seat. And I have a tendency to talk to myself. Uh, I talk out loud, think out loud all the time. Occasionally I'm caught uh, by people who ask me, are you talking to me? No, not you. Ron has given up. And she's not within sight. She, you know, I'm, not, she, I'm not talking to her. Uh, but I'm talking to myself in the car. Uh, and after a while, my granddaughter stops me and says, Granddad, you don't have to talk to yourself. You can talk to me. You know, so I started talking to her. You know, I realized, oh, my granddaughter's in the car. I should be talking to her, not me. Let's have a car. You know, and you think about how we come together and how important life is in those small moments and those big moments. That's the first point. The second one is this. We will never overcome our humanity, but God overwhelms that humanity with a cross-based grace. That's why he came to the world. That's why, well, that's why he's crucified. That's why he defeated death with that crucif- with the resurrection that followed. That's why his blood washes us of our sin. You know, you know, the Bible tells us that. We will never overcome our humanity, and we don't have to. We don't have to. We shouldn't even want to. For years, to really the last couple of years, this really came to light in my own thinking, my own prayer life, my own relationship with God, and I really you know, repented a little bit with God in this thought that I had and, and he brought to me. For, year, for years, I lived under an illusion, or delusion, you might say. And that was that one morning, I was going to wake up and I was going to be above it all. I would be this, this amazing man of God, above fear, above worry, above temptation, I would have arrived Everybody, every, all other 7 billion people in the world would be down there and I'd be up here because I'd finally reached that point where I was no longer, I didn't verbalize it this way, I didn't realize that what I was doing, but what I was saying, God, one of these days I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to be human anymore. One of these days, that's going to happen. And that was an illusion or delusion that I had. Now here's a second illusion or delusion that I had that I also had to come to grips with, and that was I'm not going to wake up one morning and you're going to be perfect either. 
That one day I'm going to wake up and everybody in the church is going to be perfect above and beyond the sins and frailties of humanity. And that never ha- that hasn't happened yet either. At least I haven't noticed it if it has. You're hiding it well from me if, you, if you're perfect. And I realize it's okay. We're all human beings gathered around the campfire. And, and we experience God's grace at that point of our limitation and our need. In fact, the Bible says where grace abounds, and it's talking about the church when it says this, Excuse me. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Uh, so where the church is gathering, there's lots of grace because there's lots of sin. That when I go to my prayer life, there's lots of grace because I'm still a sinner. And that's what the Bible says. And that's where we meet and experience and know God well. As surely as we begin to know ourselves and know who we really are. In that place, we know grace, which is the core of of the campfire, my limitations, my need, my sin, my nature. And no, I'm not arrived to be above the point of fear or worry or the things all human beings experience and will always experience in this life. But there God comes and blesses and encourages, gives peace and strength and grace. And the third uh, point of this message today is, the only relationship with God that's available is the one where we are in absolute need of God. That's it. There's not another. That's what God offers in the campfire picture, that we need God and God comes to meet our needs. That's always true. I'll never be above that point where I say, God, I don't need you today. I finally arrived. I've, I've got it all in hand. I've got it all figured out. Uh, I've been able to lay aside fears and worries, and I'm okay with those things now, and, and I'm this man of courage. And if I was there in, the, if I was there in that, that place where Peter was, I'd have fought for you. I would not have denied you. Well, that's not true. We'd all do what Peter did. That's the point of Scripture. Dr. Henry Cloud says this about that. There's no such thing as a self-sustaining person. We get what we need from outside ourselves. The mechanism is trust as we trust others. Now, here's the hard part for us in the American culture. And that is that we are taught early on that we must one day become self-sustaining. We are taught that our goal is to one day be completely independent. We're taught that one day we will rise to a place above the needs of the world around us and we want to call that or we think we should call that or we feel like we should call that success and I've arrived and I've achieved. And that's plain ridiculous. It's impossible. That's saying one day I'll wake up and I will be no longer, no longer human being. And so I've learned and I'm still learning this in some ways. That, that I come to God and I don't have to say, God, uh, I want to give you who I wish I was. Just say, God, I'm going to give you who I am. And what a freeing prayer that is. I'm not going to give you who I hope to be one day. I'm going to give you who I am right now. And God's taken hold of that and has changed how I relate to God and people in my world. And also I've learned that my goal is not to be one day independent and self-sustaining and free from the need of others or God, is to embrace the need of God and others, be sustained by that admission of honesty and openness called known in the message today and say that's a good thing and that's all Bible again and again and again that's there. But it's not American culture. So we have to go against what we've been taught. Many of us 
to live that kind of life. We're not going to rise to the occasion where we're going to discover God. God has come to us, into our world, and lowered himself into our lives, our world, our existence, and our experience as he bled on the cross. A world that needed him, absolutely still needs him. It will always need him. will never rise above that need, and that's a good thing because that's where I experience the majesty and the grace and the healing and the resurrection, the power of God, who I do not exist without. So that's the third point today. The fourth point is this. This is why repentance is the only real access to God and the campfire. Repentance necessitates being honest in relationships with God and others. So think about what that means. Now, repentance is uh, an openness, yes. It's coming to God, though, around our reality and not our imagined reality, something that Peter couldn't do as he's there uh, waiting to go into Caiaphas' courtyard where he's going to deny Jesus three times. He couldn't embrace his own reality. He couldn't say, Jesus, I really am afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to cut and run when this happens. I have no idea why you're going to die and why you're saying what you're saying. I have, I'm confused about it all. He wasn't able to do that. He said, no, I'm going to die with you. Don't worry about me. But his reality is made more clear at the end in John, the end of Gospel of John, where, where Jesus comes to him and, and says, I just want to know if you love me. That's all I want. No conversation, no accusations. Just, you know, tell me the truth, Peter. I want to hear the truth from you. And I think Peter's saying basically, Lord, I... If nothing else, nothing else, I do love you. If, if nothing else, despite everything else, despite my humanness and my flaws and how ridiculous I can be sometimes, the temptations I've given into, the times I've grown angry and bitter, the times I've doubted and not had faith, all these part of his story of life, he says, but, but I've got, I do love you, Lord. And then he says, then go feed my sheep. Give them what I've given you. Offer them what I've offered you. Share with them what I've shared with you. So Peter does. And he says, upon this rock I will build my church. What an amazing story. Dr. Henry Cloud says this. Forgiveness has to do with the past and is free. Trust is about the future. We talk about being known, trusting God in others. And that redefines a new future for you and me as we do this. It's called a spirit of repentance. That's what repentance is. Repentance is just being honest. That's all it is. It's not saying I'm sorry. Instead, it's a matter of being honest. I'm afraid. I worry. I deal with temptation. I have limitations. I am human. And in that place, we experience relationship the way God wants us to with him and one another. Uh, it's a spirit of self. It's a spirit of self-awareness in many ways. One of the things that I've been doing for many years is I'm part of what's called the Board of Ordained Ministry, where we ordain folks or, or lead into ordination for them in the United Methodist Church. In fact, with annual conferences here in June, we will ordain many candidates for ministry right here uh, at our altars, which is pretty cool. I think that we'll be ordaining folks who will serve the church for 20, 30, 40, 50 years to come. Uh, Pastor David's on the Board of Ordained Ministry as well. One of the things that we note in conversation with those in candidacy, and they go through, this is an 8, 10, 12-year process for many of them. And if you ever see a Methodist minister who's ordained an elder, they work hard to get there. It's not easy to do. 
Uh, but nonetheless, that's, what, that's part of our journey. And one of the things that we note sometimes is people who don't have self-awareness. They don't see themselves for who they really are. They have built a wall around themselves where they do not want to know and face their own reality about who they are. They don't want to do it. That's what I meant when I began early on about what Cloud, uh, Henry Cloud saying, that uh, some people want to be, most pe- everybody wants to be understood, but most people, I think, don't really want to be known. <laughs> not really, but we know you anyway. Everybody knows you anyway. It's like you know me. It's like I know who you are. Now, I want to take a, a short sidestep real quick to make sure that you're not getting me wrong about this honesty issue about being self-aware, uh, being known, uh, being, being someone who can connect as human beings. We're not talking about telling people what, they, what you think about them. Sometimes people think, we're, we're this, oh, God, Pastor Mike said I can go tell my whoever whatever I think about them. That's going to really help them a lot. No, not this message at all. This message is about you and me being open with our own life, being honest with who we are to those we trust. You don't trust people, don't be open and honest with them. But those you trust, you can be open with who you are. That's a place for, place for grace and love and faith can be experienced most fully. And above all, we do that with God. And so it's coming to God with our real reality that our culture wants to hide and deny and avoid and not face. And that is what I can tell you right now. Sometimes I'm still afraid. Sometimes worry comes to me. I still deal with depression in my life. I have my entire life. I still have that sometimes. That's part of my journey. Certainly I'm flawed and make mistakes. We all do. But in those places of humanity is where I meet God. That's where God comes in his grace, his forgiveness, his love, mercy, strength, all that God gives. And I can say to God, God, I love you. If nothing else, God, I love you. And, and that's what God wants. We see that in, a, in the relationship, in that truth, and that, that special uh, blessing that we have today. Well, I'm going to close in prayer. Uh, be aware that in a minute when you're invited to leave, you can pick these God's big enough wristbands. We're also going to have a Mother's Day moment, so be ready for that. And would you bow with me in prayer, please? Our Heavenly Father, it scares us sometimes to think how much you know about us and how willing we might be to have others know us that well, too, even though they probably know it anyway. We think somehow we're going to rise above our humanity, going to be more than that. God, how foolish we are. Forgive us for that. We repent and we turn to you. We don't give you today who we wish we were or who we hope we'll be one day. We give, us, we give you, God, who we are right now. May you bless that and use that. And may our campfire grow warm for those around us and for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.